and welcome to the Southern Surf Stompcast, where we feature the best surf, instro, and beyond that the South has to offer. I'm your host, Chad Shivers. Today we have a very special episode where we'll hear from bands performing at this year's Instro Summit, which is the world's largest instrumental music festival held at the Cat's Cradle in Carborough, North Carolina, May 15th to 17th. Later we'll hear from Crispy Bess, the events coordinator, leader of two amazing bands, Killer Filler and Fat Links, and my friend and hero. We'll hear the bands in order of their appearance at the summit, and first up is a brand new recording of The Out of Limits with Aimpoint. Collision alarm. Emergency procedure, quick. Scanner shows that we're... We're approaching something of monstrous size. And that...
You just heard Arrows Out with Postmarked from their stunning release, This Picture Recalls a City. Before that, my buddies El Capitan and the band with no name with Pistols at Dawn. That was preceded by Astronaut Sex Pants with Drunken Fist. And of course, we started out with The Out of Limits and their brand new recording, Aim Point. Up next, we'll hear the Aqualads with Surfer's Revenge. But first, let's hear a word from one of our sponsors. Dig this! The Fringe Factory. Why don't you listen to this recording with interest? Tokyo, 4 a.m. in Russia, 1 a.m. in London, 12 p.m. in Sydney, 7 p.m. in Mexico City, 5 p.m. Vancouver, Canada, and 8 o'clock Jersey City. And now, folks, it's definitely suck it to me time. Fun vibrations. Every Wednesday at 8 o'clock. <laughs>
That was Attack de los Conquistadores from Amphibians. Before that, Curtimundi from Blood Red River. Before that, my very own group, The Mystery Men with The Life of Riley. And we kicked that set off with Aqualad's Surfer's Revenge. Up next, we'll hear a brand new band to the summit, The Tsunami Experiment with Last Man on Earth. Another day to live through. Better get started.
mutation.
That was a brand new recording from my friends and hometown heroes, The Surge, with Deflector Shield. Prior to that, more Atlanta friends, Gemini 13 with Halter Top, and we started that set off with the Tsunami Experiment with Last Man on Earth. Up next, I'd like to take a little break from the Instro Summit set to focus on some of the bands that are playing at the upcoming Southern Surf Stomp on May 9th at Kavarna in Decatur, Georgia. First up, Kinky Waikiki from Athens, Georgia, with their song, Surfin' Sullivan. But before that, let's hear from another one of our sponsors. For 50 years of surf music and instrumental rock, check out The Longboard Show on the radio, Tuesday nights at 9 on WREK Atlanta 91.1 FM, or via webcast wrek.org slash longhorns.
That was Ghost of Quintana Roo, an instrumental from the Barrett Boys, which are a killer Americana group. They have two EPs I highly recommend seeking out. Prior to that, we heard two Kinky Waikiki key tracks, Procession of the Virgin Fire and Serpent Sullivan. Both bands will be playing at the Southern Surf Stomp, along with the Mystiki Men, which are the Mystery Men, trying their hand at a loungy exotica set. Up next, we'll hear my interview with Crispy Bess. Hey Crispy, welcome to the Southern Surf Stompcast. Hey, happy to be here. So first of all, I wanted to thank you for the Instro Summit. It personally means a whole lot to me. It was kind of my reintroduction to kind of the surf instro scene after about a 10-year absence. And then second of all, I wanted to ask, what the hell are you thinking? Putting on a three-day instrumental festival, are you insane? Uh, well, first of all, I'm glad I brought your midlife crisis to you early. <laughs> so that's, that's very deeply appreciated. Second, honestly, I don't put on the festival. The festival puts on me. <laughs> I hear that. I am I am been a complete victim of circumstance of this festival since 2010. <laughs> um, it was originally only going to be two days, originally maybe ten bands, and I got more and more people wanted to be involved, up to the point that Daikaiju even declared they were going to come play on Sunday night and they'd be a headliner, except we didn't have a Sunday night. <laughs> so it just, just keeps growing and growing and growing, and I'm probably too nice of a guy to tell anybody no. Right. <laughs> you've played with some pretty big names in the industry. You've played with Southern Culture on the Skids and Uncle Tupelo and Tiny Tim. What kind of led you to instrumental music and playing instrumental music and being a promoter of instrumental music? Well, um, it goes back to a, I used to live with a uh, gentleman uh, back when I lived in St. Louis uh, whose name was uh, Mark Stevens. And... Mark had a uh, a band called the Boo Rays, which was uh, a very uh, surf influenced uh, pop band. Um, they did a lot of uh, a lot of their solos were in the classic surf guitar solo kind of you know genre. Although they did every almost every song, say maybe three had singing in it. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, Mark had a huge record collection that it included. I mean, I think just about every Ventures album. Plus stuff by you know like like people I'd never heard of you know like Jerry Cole, the Challengers, Sandals. Never the you know all these bands, all these bands I'd never heard of at the time. So I just go through his record collection and I just the more I listened to it, the more I liked it. There had been uh, I had a good friend who I played with in a band, uh, Jay Lottawasser, who was my bass player in several bands. And he had suggested we start a surf band. At one point, with him playing, we him playing guitar, and me playing keyboard, that we were going to call the Silverfish. That went nowhere. But the but the idea stuck. It was like, hey, this this might be something that was worth pursuing. But um, it never really took off from there until oh, I guess around '93 or so when I when I started the the Civil Tones, which was uh, me and my buddy Robbie and Robin Allen and our friends David Hilditch and, and Doug Morgan. And it was originally both both Robin and I had been had, had left our left other bands and were just trying to you know just have a, have a room for our songs you know a place for our songs to be you know mm-hmm. and 
we were doing instrumentals in that in that band from the very beginning. In fact, the, the very first instrumental we learned uh, was themed to Village of the Giants. Hmm. <laughs> you know, the, the Jack Nietzsche, you know, six-string bass extravaganza that uh, later, I mean, most people know it as either, either Bonsai or uh, the, the song that's uh, yeah, at the beginning of the, the Quentin Tarantino movie, Death Proof. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it got started in this... 1960s drive-in movie called Village of the Giants with Bo Bridges in it. That kind of set the mold. It's like slowly but surely all of our songs and lyrics started fading away. <laughs> and Doug Morgan introduced me to, you know, because at that point I was playing a Harfiza organ, and he introduced me to the meters. Oh, yeah. And, and reminded me about, you know, about Booker T and the MGs, which I already had several records. I'm like, oh, yeah, I hadn't even thought about playing Booker T and the MGs. After that, the die was cast. I mean, you know, I was always looking for instrumental stuff, you know, constantly. As to why I have become the, a, a champion of instrumental music, I have no idea. But uh, <laughs> but I do know I like to listen to it, and I like other bands that play it. Yeah. And uh, and I've increasingly noticed, you know, I think one of the things I, I, I figured out when I put the instrument summer together is a lot of instrumental bands, they tend to be marginalized. Um, you know, when I when Masilodons first started out, you know, it was right about the time Pulp Fiction came out, so we we were, you know, we were relevant. We were, right. you know, we were hip. We opened for all these amazing bands back then, you know, Los Lobos, Maceo Parker, uh, you know, Beau Soleil, all these, you know, national touring acts that had nothing to do with instrumental music, but nevertheless liked us having liked us being around five years after that, it's like all these instrumental bands were like, you know, were like hated and kind of shoved off to the corners. Right. And it just seems such a, such a shame because there's, there's such a lot of talent there. And, you know, I think that's one of the things that probably caused the instrument to grow so much is, you know, all these poor bands who've been, you know, kind of ignored and told they couldn't play here, 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 and here, and finally had a place where they could hang out and network with other people. Yeah. I think that's, that's, I, you know, for lack of any other thing, I think that may be one of the reasons why I, I've become kind of a, you know, of a, of a spokesman for Israel music, just because, you know, it's 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 like, it's like dealing with orphans, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so we, have, we have no place to go. Uh, so we all get together, you know, and uh, hopefully put shows together and share our war wounds and, uh, you know, and, and carry on from there. When was the first festival? I have in my notes it was 2009, is that correct? 2009 was the first one. Four bands. And then one dropped off, correct? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Seth Moody of the Nose Riders, God bless him. This, the whole plan of the original thing was I was trying to get other bands that Killer Filler could go play with. It's like, cause we, I, I wanted to travel again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I found out, I found out the hard way, Killer Filler really doesn't travel that well. Right. Uh, we're all old men. We need hotel rooms and nice, <laughs> you know, and nice restaurants to eat at and stuff like that, and what we're getting paid at on the road doesn't justify the means of doing that. But, at that time, it seemed like a sound idea, so, you know, I managed to convince Paul Carson to drag the Atomic Mosquitoes down there, and uh, and the surge to come up from Georgia, and he didn't care. Uh, he thought it was fun, and yeah, poor Seth Moody from the Nose Riders, he called me, like, I don't know, like three days before the festival and said, uh, so, yeah, something's come up, uh, and the guys really don't want to come anymore. <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, okay, uh, all right. Well, I was, you know, I was, it was just 
killing me at the time, but they came back the following year, and after they after they figured out how much fun it was, I mean, they were they were basically here every year anyway. So right. They figured it out. It just took a little while. Well, you're uh, you're such a sweetheart to give bands uh, second chances, and I know this firsthand. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But you cancel well in advance. You're a decent fella. You didn't, you know. They were, like, <laughs> well, and, and I mean, at Seth, Seth, Seth excuse was, was was like was cracking me up too because it was like, yeah, we got a really good barbecue coming up, you know. And I was uh, like, what? You know, you're, you're you're dissing me for pork. I'm like, okay, well, maybe I can see that. But uh, <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, you know, it's like everything's cool now. I mean, they 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 rocked uh, you know like three or four Easter summits and. You know, their penultimate show was at, or was at uh, you know, our big festival at the Casbah, so I'm pretty darn happy. Yeah. Well, now the festival has blossomed into three days and 28 bands. You mentioned DJ Bumpadelic isn't coming back this year, but he's played in almost all the years prior. And there's food trucks and a lunch jam and a rumble jam and the I'm Branded contest, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, yeah. So it, it's it's really gotten... I believe it's the largest instrumental music festival of its kind in the world, right? Um, yeah, we are. Well, Surfer Joe up there in Livorno is is coming damn close to to beating us. Um, after word got out that we were the we were the biggest festival in the world, he really upped the ante. And have you been there yet? I have not. I'm hoping to. I'm hoping to. <laughs> I think. I think you you give him a Moonbase CD, he'll be very interested. But yeah, his his festival as far as both as far as quality like kicks our butt. It is the Tiffany of the the, the surf music festivals of the world. You know, we're kind of like the Walmart. You know, it's like a, you know, it's it's not the it's not the fanciest in the world, but you get a lot for your dollar. Well, you don't uh, you don't have to get dressed up for it. You know, you can yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can you can. <laughs> You can come in wearing your sweats and your fanny pack. You That's know, right. We'll, we'll, we'll let you in. Um, that should be the no, new Instra Summit motto. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, Joe's festival is, is is coming darn close, and he's he's been adding more and more bands. So I think every year that we've had 28, he's had pretty close to that amount now, like 26 or 27. Oh, wow, yeah. Uh, so it's, I think at some point he's going to pass us. He's just going to find another stage, throw some bands on. And Lavorno, unfortunately, is a very small town, so mm-hmm. he's got to work on that part. But yeah, I mean, yeah, technically, yeah, technically, we do hold the mantle right now of being uh, being the champion. That's been kind of our our claim to fame, which which surprised me. In all honesty, I thought, oh, surely somebody else on this planet is doing an instrumental music festival. You know, it might not be like surf rock like ours is, but you mm-hmm. know, surely there's something out there where you know there's a bunch of bands that just play instrumentals. I, I had visions of like you know festival where people were playing like postmodern rock stuff or jazz or you know or various instrumental soloists and some kinds of more eh, nothing yeah no one no one has ever thought of this before which frankly shocks me yeah it's, it's pretty it's, crazy what are some of your favorite memories of past intro summits one that still cracks me up to this day was i can't remember which one it was it was uh probably 2010 maybe 2011 Blood Red River was playing, you know, a local band here from Durham, and uh, you know they're well, they're they have a uh, they have a go-go dancer. Uh, it was that that year was was my friend Miss Bliss, and Bliss has this typical part of her routine where, as the song climaxes and they come to the end of her set, she traditionally takes off her bikini top, 
and reveals a pair of like stripper-like pasties, you know, on her on her bosoms. Mm-hmm. You haven't been to any of our our shows at the cave. Uh, I went to uh, the the last one. Okay, but you know how it's separated. You know, there's there's the actual performance stage, and there's the little hallway, and then there's the back room where the pool table is, and where you know where all the merchandise and stuff is set up. Right. You know, Water River is up there doing their thing. I'm in the back room. You know, selling merch, talking with people, doing bloody bloody blah blah, and I realize they're just about to finish because I can watch the video stream that you know Bliss is about to do a move, and so I'm like, well, I better go up and you know take over my MC spot, you know, and uh, do the whole routine. So I get up, go through the hallway to the stage, and literally from the back of the bar all the way to the stage all I can see is a solid row of fat guys <laughs> just like eyeballs as big as saucers <laughs> coming from all their mouths <laughs> uh, I'm like oh I just made a lot of surf nerds happy today oh yeah yeah that, that, that always cracked me up the the rumble jam at um, that we did at Southern Rail was one of my favorites when we actually got well a huge amount of people on there for the first time twenty people the sound was amazing it was you know it was huge not a tune and you know it was just perfect um, <laughs> I love doing that and my good friend Jim Smith you know we have that on video you can look, look it up on YouTube my buddy Jim Smith you know basically swearing at everybody <laughs> to get him an order you know. <laughs> You know, oh, you, you, you know, what the hell Chris be saying? I'm like, okay, yes, sir. Uh, <laughs> and it worked really well, you know, but uh, that was, that was a best. I love the Space Rangers coming in. They were, they they played such a beautiful set. And, and oh my God, the Madeira the following year. Holy cow. I mean, that was, I left a post on Facebook, which I think was absolutely perfect. It says, it said, have you ever seen a band? where absolutely every single goddamn note was perfect. <laughs> I mean, they were they they were gorgeous that night, and then and you know, and Evelyn was like, he's like, oh God, thank you. I was like, God, we sucked that night. Like, no, 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 you don't, you don't know sucking, my friend. No, uh, no. we were just yeah, all of us were just like you know, in the front room, the back room, we're listening. You know, all of us were just God. Damn, yeah, that's the, the, watching the Madeira is like a religious experience. Oh yeah, I mean, and being like, taken was, to school at the same time—it's like Sunday school, basically. Oh yeah, yeah. It's just like it's, <laughs> it's like all you need to know is right there. Yeah. Daikaiju's first Daikaiju shows are, are always memorable. <laughs> uh, Sorry, I'm just recalling last year's debacle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah first thing for the Sunday show was just hysterical. I mean, that was amazing. Then they did. The following year, yeah, in 2011, it was just insanity. I mean, I mean, the crowd was just jam-packed in there, and uh, Santanu and Redman were just running around everywhere. We have, we have our video, you know, our, at that point our cameras were stationary, so all we have is footage of their drummer. <laughs> you know, everybody else was running all around the stage, so we had no idea what the heck was going on. It was insanity. And of course, you know, last year the uh, legendary, you know. Uh, let's play with fire. Uh, let's go play play outside at one thirty in the morning, uh, and let's climb on the roof of the motorco and see what happens. Yeah, uh, you know, which uh, <laughs> it's made us uh, you know somewhat legendary now, uh, for for better or for worse. I'm not sure Jeremy from motorco will ever have us back again. But yeah, I was gonna, <laughs> I, I was gonna ask if that's why we're not at motorco this year. No, well, the reason we're at motorco is although we did we did really good Friday and Saturday. 
there was no, I mean, literally everybody that was there Sunday was a three-day pass person. You know, and he there's a huge staff at Motorfield he's got to pay, so he kind of he kind of took it that day. So that's why. So he basically told me, he said, if you if it gets to the point where you get like another 50 more people paying for tickets every year, he says, I'm happy to have you back. Um, mm-hmm. You know, provided nobody comes to the roof again. I'm like, yeah, I can, I can make that deal. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's why we're going to that's why we're going to the back room of the cradle, which is slightly smaller. It's about the size of the Casbah. And Frank is an old friend. Frank, who runs the cradle, is a good guy. He understands how this thing works. So yeah, I think I think it'll I think it'll be pretty cool. I think we'll be at a, a, a club that's probably just the right size for us. Yeah, I know. Uh, I so. I interviewed uh, Jimmy last month, and he he seemed really excited and said that that's probably the perfect room for us. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. Of course, my other my other favorite memory, the hands down, is uh, when the, the uh, you know Brian Crum got his car totaled. Oh yeah. And, you know, not only did, like, you know, every musician who heard, you know, run to his aid, mm-hmm. but then we immediately got a collection going. You know, I think that's that's the moment where it really gelled with me. It's like, oh, we really are a family, aren't we? Yeah. That bucket was full by the time I handed it over to Brian. There was a mm-hmm. lot of dough in there, you know? Well, that really struck me. I'm like, wow, this is, this is something special. Can we just talk about your bands for a second? Because... I guess Killer Filler started before Instro Summit, mm-hmm. and you guys have a great release, Filler Up, which is just fantastic. Thank you. I appreciate that. And describe uh, describe the band's sound for our listeners if they haven't yet heard it. The band originally started off as, uh, as uh, sort of a halfway point between the Ventures and Booker T and the MGs. That's perfect. Yeah. I yeah, so it's, it's you know it's it's two guitars, bass, drums, and an organ, and I occasionally play guitar. So there's like three guitars going at once. I'd say that's that's a pretty safe mix, although even right from the beginning, we had a certain lounge contingent that had sort of wandered in. You know, we had a strong Henry Mancini following from the start, and that's definitely become stronger in the more we played. It's it's funny, it's like with each evolution of the band, as you had various members circulate, only only Brian Settle and I are there still from the original group, mm-hmm. you know, after a decade of playing. Um, it's like soul music has always been strong. Certain music is popular, but it's like the cheese stuff, your Henry Mancini, your Vic Mizzy, you know, your kind of Lawrence Welk kind of stuff. That's the stuff that the man really digs <laughs> is, uh, you know, it's kind of taking that deviation off into space age bachelor pad land. Mm-hmm. So I guess, I guess these days we're kind of, we're kind of a three way between, you know, the Ventures, Booker T and Combustible Edison, I guess. That's, that's, that's a really cool, <laughs> cool description. Yeah. What do you, what are you guys' plans? Do you guys have any plans to record a second record or? That has been uh, one of our the thorns of mine and Brian's sides. Is you know Brian used to run a fairly legendary studio in uh, Chapel Hill called the Yellow House. Mm-hmm. A lot of great, a lot of great Raleigh Durham bands recorded there. And even though the house you know was sold and he had to move, he had all the recording gear and we recorded uh, Filler Up using that gear. But almost as soon as we finished, it died. Huh. This beautiful Otari 16-track machine just stopped working, and they haven't been able to fix it, so, so that something very fatal has, di- has died in the thing. So we've been patiently hoping that some miracle would happen and it would start working again or we would find the magic bullet that, you know, that killed it. So we held off recording because, you know, that takes money. Yeah. And, uh, and Brian and I, unfortunately, are... A pr- <laughs> Out of every band we've been in, we were probably the poorest members of the band. You know, right. it's like uh, Brian works, you know, 
part-time and gives music lessons. And my exotic life involves driving a laundry truck during the day, so I'm not, you know, <laughs> lazy to roll in the dough either. But this year, our new bass player, Steve Eisenstadt, and our, and our drummer, uh, Paco uh, Robles, they had both been, you know, like, when are we going to record a record? You know, and I'm like, guy, and I finally told him, I said, guys, we don't have any money. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Brian and I are, you know, Brian's broke. I'm in debt. Uh, you know, there's no way we're going to do this unless somebody forks over the money. And then I said, you guys want to, you know, uh, bankroll a CD? I'm like, by all means. They both looked at each other and said, okay. <laughs> all right. So, you know, <clears throat> so uh, it hasn't gone any further than that, but I'm crossing my fingers that maybe, you know, sometime by the end of the year or next year we'll be in the studio hopefully recording a CD, and I've jokingly told people I think the CD is going to be called Any Decade Now. <laughs> Perfect. I was just thinking it's about that long to get going. Right. Uh, since the last one came out in, what, I guess 2007. Yeah. So, you know, hopefully something will happen. So cross your fingers, and uh, maybe you know we'll, we'll have something, something out sometime in, uh, in 2016. Oh, I certainly hope so, and, and, and maybe, yeah. maybe then we can get you down at the Southern Surf Stomp. That would be something. Yeah, well, that the challenge of that is just making sure we can we can pay for it. You know, sure. That's, that's the so we have to get a couple extra gigs in there somewhere to you know pay for you know renting a van and doing all that other fun stuff. Right. Although one thing I can guarantee for next year, although we haven't gotten the, that subject area yet, is Fat Links. Uh, we'll most certainly have a CD next year. I saw that. I'm I'm very excited about that. Yeah, we unfortunately have got delayed a little bit. Our engineer, Jerry Key, has had to beg off our next recording session because his band, uh, Regina Hexaphone, is having a reunion that weekend, and so he, and he's the drummer, so we can't really, you know, bail out. Mm-hmm. So we've had to postpone our additional recording sessions till probably, you know, late May or June. Uh, but uh, we're definitely going to have an EP and probably a 45 of some sort out by uh, the beginning of next year if everything goes right. So cross your fingers on that one. Awesome. And we'll definitely have to have you guys back. Oh yeah, no. Everybody, everybody loved it. I mean, the guys in <laughs> in Phalanx have still been bugging me about going to back down to Atlanta. Even though Good. Bobby was the one, pretty much, you know, helped put that one together. You know, he got us a house party, and then you, you know, of course, got us the explain the the barn and the skate party. So, yeah. <laughs> but oh my God, that was you know, the, it's like, I mean, everybody in the band was just so happy from from the whole Atlanta experience. Well, good. Uh, okay. We're 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 very happy to hear that, and we're really yeah. We're pretty thrilled with with how things have gone on with the stomp so far. Oh yeah, I'm, it, it kills me because you you get so many good combinations down there that I would love to go to, and it's just like you know, God, if I had like you know fifty more bucks, oh. <laughs> you know, I could I could shoot down there, you know, get. Uh, Check myself into a days in, and and, and uh, you know, Savvy and I could watch a watch a concert or two. Yeah, I uh, I definitely uh, I definitely can relate to that. Well, uh, Crispy, I think that's uh, all the questions I got for you. Um, anything else you'd like to talk about? Please come to our show. Please check our Facebook pages for the raffles up and buy lots of raffle tickets because the raffle tickets go to our musicians. That's that uh, that helps us pay them more money so they can get home and actually you know afford things like hotels and gas money. Well, Crispy, I wanted to thank you so much. And, of course, I don't think that there would be a Southern Surf Stomp without the Instro Summit. So, well, 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 bless you, sir. I appreciate you, you know, you thinking, thinking that way. Uh, well, thank you so much, and we'll see you in about a month. You, you got it. All right, thanks, Crispy. Sure thing. All right, bye.
Bye-bye. Thanks so much again to Crispy. Not just for the great interview, but for the Instro Summit itself, which feels more like a family reunion than a music festival. We hope to see you there, May 15th through 17th, at the Cat's Cradle in Carborough, North Carolina. Up next, we'll hear another brand new recording, this time from the Monterey's with The Pharaoh.
And there we have one of my favorite groups, Crazy Aces, with The Long Ride. Prior to that, Ninth Wave with Fueled for Surf. And before that, a brand new Monterey's track, The Pharaoh. Up next, we'll hear from our friends from the West Coast, the Insect Surfers, with Sea Scorpion.
That was my other band, Moonbase, with our song Cherry Blossom. Before that, Atomic Mosquitoes and Meltdown. And we kicked that set off with Insect Surfers, Sea Scorpion. Up next, we'll hear from Christie's band, Killer Filler, with Go This Way. But first, let's check in with Bob Walk of the Surf King Surfwear, who not only sponsors our show, but the Instra Summit as well. Hey, this is Bob with the Surf King Surfwear coming to you from the Southern Surf Stomp podcast. Check out our shirts and other items online at thesurfkingstore.com. Thank you. 
Last track was Twisted Troll by the Crectos. Before that, the Del Rios and Baja Coastline. Before that, our friends Ginky Ginky Panic with 976 Evil from their brand new album, Ghouly High Harmony. And we started that set off with Killer Filler and Go This Way. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Southern Surf Stompcast. We hope you've enjoyed it. If so, please recommend it to a friend or leave us a review on iTunes. You can check us out online at southernsurfstomp.blogspot.com, Facebook, or on Twitter at South Surf Stomp. Feel free to contact us with any questions, comments, feedback, submissions, or requests 
at chadshiversmusic at gmail.com. Thanks again to Crispy Bess and our sponsors, The Surf King Surfwear, The Longboard Show on WREK.org, French Factory on WFMU.org, and of course The Penetrators for letting us use their Southern Surf Syndicate theme as our intro and outro music. Please be sure to tune in to the next episode of the Southern Surf Stompcast, where hopefully we'll be announcing some exciting new developments. <laughs>